You're listening to the Covenant Original Series, Habits. This week, we have a special message from Pastor David Palmer. There's no time like now. Well, good morning. I've got a question for us to start off this morning. I want to know what is our most precious, scarcest, non-replenishable resource in life? It's not a trick question. The answer is time. Time is something we can never get back. We can never make more of it. And at the end of life, I imagine that there are very few people who are wishing that they had just watched a couple more highlight videos of potential seventh round draft picks. I imagine there are very few people who lay on their deathbed wishing and regretting they did not beat one more level of Candy Crush. And I bet there's a whole lot of people who are wishing that they had spent their time differently. Time matters. All month long, we've been talking about habits. Specifically, we've been talking about moving from to-do habits, like I have to do this, I want to do that, and instead focusing on who habits. Who is it that God wants me to be? And starting from that place, building upon systems and habits that will help us to become the people that God wants us to be. And it's been very interesting in my small groups and in our Sea Life discussions, just meetings with people, it's interesting to find out how many of us have very, very similar who goals. So many conversations I've found out where people say that they want to be men and women who please and glorify God. They want to be people with great marriages with really good relationships with their children. We want the same things, but we're not sure how to get there. And this is where our habits and our systems have come in. It's been a very, very good series. And so today, as we finish this series, I want to talk about time. How should we view our time in order to become the people that God wants us to be? Because I don't know about you, but I've tasted what this world has to offer and I want Jesus. I've had, I've had my time chasing after what, what this world says and there's nothing that compares with knowing my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, living out my life with purpose, with passion, with impact, making disciples, that's what I want. And in order to become more like Jesus, I need to understand time from God's perspective. Now, how many of you guys, we're going to go back in time here for a minute. How many of you guys went to prom at some point? Prom, senior prom, junior prom, going back in time, I will never forget prom. Um, When I think about prom, a couple things come to mind. One, making one of my dad's friends just miserable for a night by borrowing his classic sports car. I think about picture after picture after picture uh, with moms just ooing and aahing. In fact, just to help you guys move back in time, I'm, I'm bringing back uh, one of my own prom pictures with me and my junior prom date here. There's me and Jarrah. Yes, Jarrah was not that happy about this decision. I will tell you that. 
Uh, I had a lot more hair back then. Prom, man, you guys, you remember all these pictures and the corsages and, and all of those things. Uh, but to me, I'll never forget, there's nothing more romantic than a prom in my high school cafeteria, <laughs> right? With just some crusts of PB&J in the corner and the tables pushed against the wall, the lights down low. Uh, man, I, if any of you are... Uh, 2000s graduates, somewhere around there, you might recognize this. this. There's nothing like music to get us back in the mood because I still don't think we're there, okay? So why don't you play this track and come back in time with me to my, my junior prom here? Oh, yeah. I know some of you are laughing because you are right there with me. The lights are low. The cafeteria is full. You've got the guys sort of mingling on one side, pretending not like they're not looking at the girls on the other side. And I'm telling you right now, when Casey and JoJo come on, it's desperation time. Because if you can't get a dance now, it ain't happening, buddy. And so you're working up the courage and you're closing the gap and you're asking a girl to dance and you're looking into her eyes and you're saying, girl, I pray for someone like you. You're just hoping for that last dance, that last date, and maybe if you're lucky, a last kiss. Thank you for journeying with me back to my senior prom, my junior prom. Uh, and that night, I'll never forget, my prom night was unforgettable because on my prom night, my senior year, I got to experience something that I think every teenage boy dreams about happening. I won a raffle, and I got to go into one of those cash grab wind tunnel booths. So cool. So we went to a post-prom, which is code for a mom party, because the moms throw that party after prom, and uh, I won a raffle. Uh, one of my buddy's dads is running the booth, and here's how it works. It's very simple. It looks like a phone booth. There's a fan in the bottom. They throw some cash down. You put on this weird science class goggles and they slam the timer, you get 30 seconds to grab as much money as you can out of the air. And so I get in there, the booth starts, I've got my goggles on, and I'm trying to grab, and it is hard to grab this money. I'm shocked, I thought it would be easy, it's not. And so eventually I start grabbing a couple, a couple dollar bills and I'm stuffing them into my cummerbund and into my jacket and any, anywhere that I can get them. And, and I go and I go and I'm focused, until I realized, man, there's not much money floating around here anymore. And at last, I stomp on the final dollar bill, bend down, pick it up, and I look out of the booth, and I realize my buddy's dad just walked away. He got distracted, and he completely forgot to start the timer. I had all the time that I needed, and I got 70 bucks on prom night. Paid for the dinner. It was an amazing, amazing night. Uh, and man, I got to tell you, just 15 years later, I sure wake up some days and wish that someone would forget to start the timer on my day. Because no matter how much I rush, no matter how hard I work, I cannot seem to get to all the things that matter. And time, like Water just seems to slip through my fingers. And before I know it, 
my day is gone. Time matters. The Bible tells us this in Ephesians chapter 5, and this is going to be our verse, our passage that we're going to kind of camp today. It says this, the Apostle Paul says, look carefully then how you walk. Now, when you see walk, that's a figure of speech, okay? It means how you live your life, how you go about your life. Look carefully then how you walk, how you go about your life. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now here at Covenant Church, we worship in spirit and in truth. And so now is the time where I want you to pull out your phones. I want you to pull out your notebooks and take some notes. And then what we're going to do is we'll take those notes to our Sea Life groups, which happen all throughout the week because we know Sunday is just the start. And we're going to dig into this. We're going to dig into God's word together. And so take out some notes. And point number one for today is very simple. It's very obvious. It's this, time is precious. Time is precious. Now that seems simple and it seems obvious, but after almost 10 years in full-time ministry now, one thing that I have found is that many, many people are operating on a day-to-day basis in what I call survival mode. We're in survival mode where they don't view time as precious and consider how to best use it. Instead, they're viewing time as the enemy and figuring out how to pass it. You're trying to get through the day. I mean, how many times have you been having a conversation with someone and it turns toward work or it turns toward their day and it's like, oh man, just got to get through this week. I just got to survive this this upcoming week or two weeks or just got to work to the weekend. Those people, when we have that attitude, when we're in survival mode, we are making the mistake of not viewing time as precious. And I know that because when you're on vacation, you hear much different things from people. Nobody comes back from vacation and says, just had to get through that vacation, you know? You know, it was a tough one. I, I just had to survive vacation so I could get back home and make it through my day, every day, just slogging on through. No, we view our vacation time as precious and we treat it that way. Vacation isn't survival. Although I will say one time my family, all six of us hopped into an 85 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra and went camping in Michigan. That felt like survival mode, even on vacation. When you view time as precious, life becomes bigger than just survival. Now, before you jump on me with your objections, yes, I know that times come where life is tough. I know that there are periods in life where things are difficult. But what I am saying is that our regular mode, in our regular life, we should not feel as though we're just surviving. Because when when you have Christ, he provides you with a joy that should be able to transcend any of these circumstances that you're facing. And so if you feel as though you lack in joy 
on a day-to-day basis. Understand that it's not because Jesus has somehow failed to provide you with reasons to be joyful. If you feel as though you don't have a mission or a purpose and life is sort of aimless, it's not because the God of the universe has failed to give a purpose to you. If you feel beaten up and beaten down on a consistent basis, Jesus didn't fail to give you peace. What has happened is that we have, there's a disconnect. We have failed to view time as precious. And in fact, I would say that the reason why so many of us are in survival mode is because we have bought into and embraced the world system for how we should use our days. And Ephesians says something about that. It says this, It says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Say that again, because the days are evil. Now that does not mean that like Thursday is evil or Monday is evil. Uh, What it means is that this system, this world in which we live, the system that is set up is evil. It goes against what God says, and that includes with how we use our time. And God has a system for how we should view and use our time. It's right there in Ephesians. He says, use it carefully. He says, be wise. Make the best use of your day. Contrast that with how most of us use our time. We chase after things. We accumulate stuff. We buy and we need and we search after promotion and we search after titles and prestige and we spend our life and our days chasing these things and then we spend our nights exhausted from the chase. We're surviving. And it doesn't have to be that way. You see, God wants us to view our days as a precious commodity to be invested for things that matter. I love how Moses says this in Psalm chapter 90. Thousands of years ago, Moses says this. It's a prayer to God. He says, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. A wise person has learned that their days are numbered. And when you begin to understand that time is precious and when you begin to use your time as though it's precious, you are well on your way to becoming that person that God wants you to be. So how can you begin this transition from survival mode to operating on God's system of time? That's where we get to point number two. We need to learn to schedule your values. Schedule your values. You have to schedule your values because nobody is going to forget to start the timer. There are important things in life and there are unimportant things in life and you don't get to do all of them. I have a three-year-old daughter. Her name is Kaya. Kaya is the girliest girly girl you'll ever meet for a three-year-old. Makeup and princesses and unicorns. And we would like like to do these exercises with her. Probably you guys have done this with a relative. Kaya, which is your favorite princess? Do you like Cinderella or do you like Princess Jasmine? And she would look at us and she would say, yes. Yes. No, Kaya, you misunderstand. Do you like Sleeping Beauty or do you like Belle? Which one do you like better? Yes. Yes, I like them. 
And we would say, okay, you tell us, which is your favorite princess? All of the princesses. All of the princesses are my favorite. We asked Kaya a question, and she is a brick wall. Do you want mom or dad to put you to bed? Both. She wants it all. She wants everything. She wants everything, everyone. And the truth is, in life, we don't get to work like that. We don't get to go to Wednesday night bowling league, which happens at the same time as Wednesday night sea life group. You can't be in both and you have to pick. And I want us to learn to pick based on our values. Pick based on our values. Now we learn this from Jesus in Mark chapter one, starting in verse 32. And we'll read a bit more about this in our sea life groups. We read this, that evening at sundown, they brought to him being Jesus, all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and he cast out many demons. Okay, so what you don't read is before this, Jesus starts the day preaching in the synagogue. And then he's walking mile after mile and he's going city to city. And in each city, he's sitting down, he's teaching. He is healing people. He is casting out demons. He heals uh, one of his disciples' mom. And then he goes finally to this last city and he enters into my own personal claustrophobic nightmare, which is he goes into a house and he's just surrounded by people. All of them need him. And then outside the house, the whole city gathers around. And all night long, Jesus is healing, casting out demons, teaching, preaching, talking about God. And so what we find is Jesus, who had an exhausting day, walked miles and miles, spent his whole time with people who were needing, needing, needing. This is what we find in verse 35. And so Jesus slept in and he watched Sports Center for an hour and a half. And then he headed on over to Starbucks and he got a massage. Oh, shoot. I, got, I have a different translation. Uh, here's what it says in the ESV. It says, rising very early the next morning while it was still dark, he departed and he went to a desolate place. And there he prayed. You see that Jesus understood that in a busy, stress-filled, hectic difficult life, his source of joy, his source of power, of peace, of mission came from his intimacy with God. And so the first thing, the number one thing on his schedule every day was time with his savior, time with God, the father, Jesus and God in communion. Now, before we talk about what sort of values we need to schedule, I want to get very practical here and a little bit honest, okay? And this is great stuff for young people. This is great stuff for college people, but this is great for us as adults as well. If we're going to schedule our values, we need to have a schedule. You should have a plan for your days. Now, to be honest, I spent the majority of my life as a let's just wing it type of guy. And that works great for flag football. It does not work very well when you get a job and then you get married and then you have kids and then you start side businesses and then you get suckered into coaching little league baseball and then there's swim lessons and then 
your lawn needs fertilized. And then it's just on and on and on. Can anybody relate? And if I don't have a schedule, the things that are valuable, the things that will help me become the man God wants me to be, won't end up on it. They won't get done. And so I want to talk just very briefly about two different values. And I pick these because they have the word great in them, okay? In the New Testament, we hear about the great commandment and the great commission. And so I figure if I'm going to pick any two values for us to start with, let's start with those two. So the great commandment, Jesus is asked by a, another teacher, a religious scholar, what is the greatest commandment? Out of all the hundreds of commandments in the Old Testament, which one is the biggest? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So the great commandment, love and glorify God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. That's one. Now the great commission Jesus is leaving earth. He's giving his final instructions to his disciples. And he leaves them with this message. He says, go and make disciples. So the great commandment, love, glorify God, love your neighbor. The great commission, go and make disciples. The two great pillars of every follower of Christ. Are they on your schedule? Are they on your schedule? Because you have to understand that if my values don't reflect what God asks me to do, there's a disconnect there. Because this is why God gives us time. I've always thought it was interesting. You know, when someone accepts Christ and they pray and they ask God to save them, that God just doesn't whoop, take them up to heaven. He leaves them here. You're here. And the reason is because God has a mission and a purpose for your life. And at least two of those things is to love God, love your neighbor, make disciples. And so we have to have those things on our schedule. And if we don't learn to schedule our values, here's what's going to happen. This is inevitable. This is huge. If we don't learn to schedule our values, then what we're going to find is that we constantly allow things that are urgent to overrule things that are important. If we don't schedule our values, we will constantly allow things that are urgent to overrule things that are important. We know that time alone with God is important. It's important to, be, to have if we're going to become the men and women God wants us to be, but it's not urgent. Understand that. It's not urgent. You know that going to a sea life group and participating in that, that's important. But it's not urgent. Dinner conversations with your family, walks with your spouse, exercise, all of these things are important things. None of them are urgent. And by that I mean, if you skip a day, it's not like your life falls apart. But if you don't get these things on your schedule, you will never become the person that God wants you to be. So what are some urgent things? Well, I can tell you about the 10 notifications that I get on my iPad during a sermon. Those are urgent. They're in my face. 
scrolling through Instagram, the Browns game, the Buckeyes game, texting with friends, Snapchat. All of these things are urgent. And how many times have you sat down with the intention of spending time with God and ended up on a text conversation instead? It's because if we don't schedule the things that are important, the things that were urgent, will constantly win. Now let's take it back to who God wants us to be. If you want a strong marriage, if you want to raise strong and grounded kids, if you want to make disciples, glorify God with your time, you've got to learn to schedule your values. Now, I think that a lot of us feel guilty. There's a lot of guilt here with how we've spent our time. Many of us might even be feeling like, man, I've wasted so much of my time. And we want to catch up. We want to add more and more of these things. I need to add time with God. I need to add sea life groups. I need to add discipleship. I need to add. But what I want to encourage you guys to do is resist that pressure to just do more and instead do more of what matters the most. And that's point three for today. Don't do more. Do more of what matters the most. Apostle Paul puts this puts it this way in Ephesians 5. He says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time. A wise person understands what the best use of their time is. Do you know the most common response? When I go up to somebody and I say, hey, hey man, how's life? How's it going? You know what the most number one response I get? Busy. Oh man, I'm busy. Now, I've been guilty of this too. I say that all the time. I find myself using that as an excuse. I would love to go to Four Grove City Week, but I've been busy. I would love to be at Sea Life on Sunday, Pastor David, but you know, school's got me really, really busy. Now, here's something that has been, I'm just gonna level with you very honestly. As, as I studied for this sermon, this has been the one thing that has constantly just kicked my butt. This one truth, and it's, it's this. I have the same amount of time as anybody else. Listen to me. This is a big deal. This can be life-changing. I have all the time that I need in order to become the disciple that God has called me to be. I have it. Do you want to be a dad that knows your kids? You have time for that. Do you want to be someone that has true intimacy with Jesus Christ? You have the time. Do you want to be someone with a great, strong marriage, someone who makes disciples? You have the time for that. I know because we all have the same time. And if you look at someone, if you look at somebody who has a great marriage, who invests in their kids, who goes to small group each week, who serves on Sundays, understand they have the same amount of time that you do. They just chose to use it for the things that matter most. That's been a gut punch. That's been tough to hear. Because what we choose to do with our time is completely up to us. And so when I hear someone say, I would, but I don't have time, that, that is just another way of abdicating from the responsibility of the choices that you've made. 
Are you hearing me? And that's hard to hear. And here's the kicker. When we stand before God in judgment, God, I didn't have the time is not going to be an acceptable excuse because God has given us all the time that we need in order to become the people that he wants us to be, in order to accomplish what it is that he has called us to do. Because if he has commanded us to do it, that should be the priority for our time. It's not that we need to do more. It's probably that we just need to do more of what matters. So the tough news, we just got it out of the way. You made some decisions. It's put you in a place where you don't have the time to do the things that matter the most. That's hard to hear. But the good news is you can make the decision to change that. You're not stuck where you are. Next week, things can look different. A month, a year down the road, your life can be filled with purpose and mission, intimacy with God, making disciples. It can be filled with those things based on the habits and the choices that you make today when it comes to your time. Just very practically, are you in so many travel sports and travel leagues that you're, you don't have time for godly friendships? You don't know your neighbor. You can change that. Is your job got you wrapped up with 50 and 60 and 70 hour weeks and you feel like you can't take your wife on a date and you just, you haven't been able to connect with your kids in weeks and you can't serve on Sunday because you're working overtime on Sunday. You're not stuck in that job. You can make a decision to change it. And you might be thinking and, and understand that I'm sympathetic. You might be thinking, I am stuck in that job because I've got to pay a mortgage and I've got a car payment and I've got my cell phone bill and I've got uh, my education that needs paid off. I understand. I understand all of that. You can make choices with your lifestyle to make it more possible though. You can sell that car. That car payment's weighing you down. You can sell it. It's a great time to sell a house. Downsize. Get out from under that, that, that just pressure of having more and newer and bigger and better. That's the evil system of the world. And here's the thing. It's a lie. It doesn't provide you with any of the things that it says it's going to provide you with. There is no joy or peace or purpose in stuff. And it's stopping you from becoming the man and the woman that God designed you to be. It's robbing you of the joy of making a disciple. It's stealing away your marriage. It's making it so your kids don't know you. They don't see you because you're working so hard to give them that car that they didn't need. It's just nice to have. Man, this world, it sells us lie after lie after lie about what we need and how we should use our time. It's an evil system. And at the end of life, you, I promise you, you're not going to be laying on your deathbed wishing that you had worked more hours and bought a better car. You're not. <laughs> and you can make those decisions. You can free up your time. It's as simple as this. Listen, I, this is something I like to do. It's not to shame anybody or anything. I like your phones. They, they have this thing called screen time. The new iPhones. And if 
It's one of these things I like to do with high school students. I'll just say, hey, what was your last seven days? And do you know what the average is? The average screen time on an iPhone, only on your phone, not TV, not computers. The average answer I get is it's between six and nine hours a day. That's the average. And so for many of us, it's not like we need to uh, quit school in order to make it to student C life. No, it's like maybe we need to cut down on our screen time by 15 minutes a day so that we can get our homework done before Sunday so that we can be a part of what we know we need to do to become who God wants us to be. And for adults, don't, don't think you're getting off. I love, I love to do this. You know, the average for adults is usually three to five hours. You're doing better. Three to five hours a day. And that's not counting TVs or computers. We can make small changes. We can free up time in order to do things that will actually help you become the person God wants you to be. Get out of survival mode and into this life of joy and mission and purpose that God has for you. I've said it before. If you want strong marriages, if you want to raise strong, grounded children, if you want to glorify God and make the disciples, you have to learn to manage your time. It starts by viewing time God's way, which is precious. It is a precious commodity. Not to be wasted, but to be invested. The second thing is, yes, we may have to do some tearing down of our old schedules and we may have to build again, but start by scheduling your values, the things that matter. And finally, don't just do more. Don't add all of this on top of what you're already doing. Start to do more of what matters the most. I'll close with this quote. I read this and I thought this was so good. It just speaks to, it speaks to the way that we have to be intentional with how we use our time and our lives. It's by Louis Giglio and he says this. He says, when you say yes to anything, there is less of you for something else. Make sure that your yes is worth the less. Schedule your values. Don't just do more, do more of what matters and make sure your yes is worth the less. Would you guys join with me in prayer? Lord God, we just thank you for your word, which challenges us, which convicts us. The mirror that it holds up to us, Lord, showing us the areas in which we're failing to embrace your view of life and of the things that matter. God, my prayer today is very simple. My prayer is that we as a church, covenant church, that we would re-evaluate our schedules. That we would take a hard look this week at the way that we invest our time. Holy Spirit, I just pray that in all these conversations, whether it's with among spouses or families with their kids or Lord, just a prayerful conversation between you and someone else. I pray, God,
God, that you will grant us the wisdom and the clarity to see the things that truly matter, to recognize that life is fleeting, to understand that each day is a precious gift, an opportunity. Teach us, God, to schedule our values, to do more of what matters the most. Love you, Lord. We thank you for sticking with us through all of our failures and all of the times where we fall so short. God, we thank you for lovingly embracing us each time we turn back to you. God, we thank you for the encouragement that you give to us that we can start again without regret, Lord. We can start again. Give us your wisdom this week. Let us not shy away from difficult decisions about our time. Help us to pick based on our values. We love you and we thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Covenant Church. For more information on our ministries or to hear more messages just like this, visit us at covenantchurch.us.